0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, the podcast for human resources, brought to you by BLR. When you're armed with best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional value to your organization, HR Works. Filling in for Steve Bruce, I'm Chris Saplensky. Following protests and a firestorm of controversy after two black men were arrested inside a Philadelphia Starbucks, The coffee purveyor closed its U.S.-based retail stores and corporate offices on May 29 to provide racial bias training to its workforce. Incidents such as this one, as well as similar issues that have since involved L.A. Fitness, Airbnb, and a Pennsylvania golf course, reveal that hidden, unconscious, and systemic bias are costly issues that employers cannot ignore. While most workplaces have clear anti-discrimination and anti-harassment policies in place, unconscious bias can nonetheless creep in and damage workplace culture, productivity, and even retention. How does this happen, and what can HR do about it? Here to provide some insights is Patricia Pope, a recognized subject matter expert with over four decades of knowledge and experience in diversity, inclusion, and culture change. She serves as the lead consultant on many client engagements and has primary responsibility for research and development. Her passion is creating new assessments and measurement tools, new learning content and training solutions, along with innovative ways to build inclusive cultures. Among other awards, Patricia was recognized as a pioneer by Profiles in Diversity Journal in 2007 and as a diversity legend by the International Society of Diversity and Inclusion Professionals in 2012. She has served as an advisor on the Sherm Task Force to develop national standards for diversity and inclusion, serving as co-chair on the Metrics Committee for over two years. She also served on the U.S. Army Diversity and Inclusion Roundtable, the Diversity Advisory Board for Kent State University and Xavier University, among others. Patricia, welcome to HR Works.
1: Thank you. It's wonderful to be here with you.
0: So, I thought it would be best to start by providing listeners with a clear understanding of what unconscious bias is. And I understand you believe it's important uh, for us to recognize that there are also conscious biases. So, can you briefly define both? And then perhaps provide an example that helps us understand the difference between conscious and unconscious bias?
1: Sure. I think many of us are aware of our conscious bias biases. Um, it's things like, uh, I don't believe women should uh, work outside the home when they have small children that's a bias right yep. I, I don't really have that bias um, I did work outside the home when I had small children um, but there are people who hold that belief that they think a mother with small children should not put them in daycare or whatever should stay at home so that's a bias and that's a very conscious one right unconscious by things that we often are not aware that we have um, and often we're surprised uh, when they are pointed out to us okay Uh, I can give you an example. Um, So I was doing a training program, and it was with all women, and so it was looking at racial awareness among women. And uh, there generally is going to be some resistance or denial, and so it was a two-day session. At the end of the first day, I suggested that they go home and have a conversation with their children, uh, those who had children, and ask them, what are some things you've ever heard me say? about black people and the next day people came in and they had this look on their faces
2: Hmm. and
1: one woman shared hers a number of them shared their stories but one that i'll never forget is saying that she came home from work one day pulled in the garage her son and some of his friends were playing in an empty lot next door to the house and she called her son over to the car and said whatever you do don't tell david where we hide the key to the house david was the only black child who was out there playing with the other kids?
2: Wow!
1: And when she went home and asked her son, he told her that story, and so her response was, "Wow, you know, I now have to unteach him that that thing that I just taught him, and wasn't even aware of what she had done." So those kinds of things happen a lot when people go through unconscious
2: bias training.
0: Okay, thanks. That's that's a very helpful. So turning to the the Starbucks um, incident, uh, you recently wrote a blog about the the training they conducted and all the media attention it was getting. Um, In that blog, you reacted to a comment about overcoming our unconscious biases. Can you explain that to our audience?
1: Someone uh, said that on one of the news programs that I was watching, and it, you know, it sounded to me like, well, you can overcome them, like you know, we overcome a cold or a flu, <laughs> and it just doesn't work that way. Okay. Um, we learn so many of these stereotypes about all different kinds of people. Um, and our formative years, and we don't even realize most of the time that we are learning them. Um, I truly believe that most people are good-hearted and well-intentioned. And occasionally have people say they grew up in an Archie bunker home, and unless you're a millennial, um, you probably know exactly what that means. Oh, yeah um and so these things are just they're, they're they're hardwired in and some of the implicit bias kind of stuff this notion that you know we 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 separate people automatically into you know like me not like me yeah. and and so these things that are that have been learned though um through all the messages we've received either at home or at school or in the media or from our peers or whatever they're locked in there, and, and we can't erase the disk. We can't erase this hard drive. It, we carry it around with us our whole lives. And so it, we can't get over it like we can a cold or the flu. We have to learn how to manage those um, things that we learned that we didn't ask to learn,
0: right? Absolutely.
1: Um, uh, so that we can manage and interact in spite of those things rather than as a consequence of them.
0: So aside from conducting uh, training, uh, company-wide training, as Starbucks did, um, as a reactive measure, um, as a way to deter future bias, um, what would be an example of a proactive step HR could take in their organizations to ensure their company isn't making headlines for similar incidents?
2: Mm.
1: Well, one thing would be to just start looking. Pay attention. Um, you know, often when women will share experiences they've had in an organization based on their gender, men will say, Well, how come I don't ever see those things happening? Well, are you looking for them? Because if you're not looking, you may not see them. It doesn't mean they're not there. Hmm. Um, doing online focus groups to ask employees. Um, we do we do a number of, of those kinds of assessments, and it's a great way to collect data on any topic in your from your workforce because when it's online, everyone has complete anonymity, and so they're very candid, and they don't have to worry that something's going to come back and bite them because. Yeah, they're completely anonymous on the screen. It's like being in a virtual chat room, if you will. Okay. Um, You know, one of the things I think about is you see those trucks out there um, driving and they have this thing on the back of the truck, how am I driving, and an 800 number for you to call. Yeah. So what if public places where you have consumers coming in did something similar? Like, how are we doing? Here's an 800 number call us if you think we can improve how we serve you.
0: That's a great idea. And in your work, um, you often begin engagements with what you call a a current state assessment. Can you explain what this entails? And um, is that the same thing as an HR audit?
1: Um, Some of the things can be the same, although I think they um, are different in other ways as well. I believe when an organization decides that they're going to do work in this area, that they have some opportunities in this area, that the first thing they need to do is kind of think about where do we want to be in three to five years. Mm -hmm. And once you have that vision of the future, then you need to understand where you are today relative to the vision of the future that you have. And the gap becomes your, your strategy and your action plans. So. We look at a lot of data. We look at the workforce demographics by every different kind of racial, ethnic, gender uh, group that they have in the organization, um, millennials, years of service. We look at just all of their, if they have an HRIS system, It's it's, pretty easy to start pulling this data together, Um, but we've drilled down into it pretty heavily. I think most organizations can tell you about their demographics and what percentage representation they have for women, for Asians, Hispanics, and so on, Um, but going deeper into it to begin to look at your hiring uh, if you can capture the data around the demographics of the people that applied versus those who moved forward in the process to be interviewed, those that then were, were an offer was made to them, how many accepted, who accepted, uh, who declined, uh, looking at disciplinary actions by your various demographic groups, looking at voluntary and involuntary turnover, uh, by the various demographic groups looking at performance evaluations um, if you have a you know aggregate way of, of looking at all of your performance appraisal data and seeing if there are um, disparate impact kinds of things going on there, looking at your high potential list, um, looking at who gets sent to the executive development programs, uh, looking at survey data, but then drilling down into that survey data, because survey data tells you what people believe, think, or feel, but it doesn't tell you why. So that's one of the other advantages of doing the online focus groups, because then you can take those survey questions where an organization didn't do too well, And drill down in the online focus groups and get some of those stories and examples that help the organization understand why people rated that so low on their survey. Uh, doing executive interviews to get a sense of where are the top people in the organization if you're going to do an initiative like this. Are they, are they bought into it? Are they just going along because they feel like they have to? All of those things are, are important. Oh, and there's one more thing. Oh, sure. Uh, If I could add that. um, For many organizations, they don't take the time to look at what I call the hidden cost of ineffectiveness. So, for example, organizations may know that they kind of have a turnover problem, but they don't sit down and really calculate out how much unwanted turnover is costing them. I did one of those assessments for an organization um, that kind of knew they had a turnover problem and so they gave me all this data and I checked it four times because I couldn't believe the numbers <laughs> and the numbers were that unwanted turnover was costing them between $900 million and $1.2 billion. Wow. Wow. That's huge, right? Yeah. <laughs> And so when you get that data, then it's like, okay, there's more of a sense of urgency at that point to figure out what do we need to do to begin to turn this around? There was even one organization, I'll never forget, that had us do a retention study. And in this case, they were, the CEO was very committed. Uh, He said his daughters would be very unhappy with him if he didn't um, create an equitable work environment for women in his company. And and so women had left. Women were leaving. And so he had us do this retention study where we reached out to all of the people who had left the organization voluntarily within the previous 12 to 18 months, I think, something like that, and, and asked them why did they leave. Now, the thing that was amazing was that the turnover problem wasn't with women. It was with white males. And so what happened was, when you don't have that many women, every time you lose one, it's more pronounced, right? It's more visible and noted because you just lost one. But they were losing a lot more white males, and because that was the bulk of their workforce, it wasn't as noticeable. And the primary reason they were leaving was because they got better health care somewhere
0: else. Interesting. Why do you think it's important uh, that organizations take the time to determine Why an inclusive workplace is in their best interests?
1: Well, I think the first one is um, competitive advantage. Um, You know, if you have a more diverse workforce, you are going to understand consumers' needs and preferences better. You're going to have a better sense of how to communicate to them, with them, how to market to them. You're going to be more invasive. I believe that engagement is an outcome of inclusion. I feel in, feel included, therefore I am more engaged. Right. It doesn't work the other way. I'm engaged because I am included. You know, it it it's one is more the driver of the other. Yeah. And so you also, you know, maybe you are not a, maybe you're a nonprofit, um, maybe you're in an organization that doesn't have to worry about competitive advantage, but you do have to worry about being able to hire and retain the best and the brightest because that just makes every organization a stronger, better, more efficient organization, right? Mm. So if others are, um, if, you, if you don't have that workplace that people want to come and work in, or they come, they get some good experience, and they leave because the grass always looks greener somewhere else, then um, you're, there's going to be a cost associated with that, whether you actually figure it out and, and measure it like that or if you don't.
0: Um, well, listen, this has been, uh, been really insightful. Um, so I just want to thank you, Pat, for joining us today to discuss this important topic uh, that's been making headlines.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you as well.
0: And, and as it's a topic that's uh, worthy of more in-depth discussion, um, Patricia will be presenting a one-hour BLR webinar on unconscious bias on July 20th at 1.30 Eastern Time. Attendees will learn how to increase awareness of unconscious bias in recruiting, hiring, performance evaluations, informal development, and promotions, as well as how to create a culture of belonging and inclusion by taking small actions that result in meaningful change. And HR Works listeners can get a $50 discount when they enter the discount code HRWORKS50. That's all caps and all one word when they register. Uh, just go to store.blr.com, enter the word unconscious in the search box uh, to learn more about the conference, which is titled Unconscious and Systemic Bias The Hidden Toll Taken on Workplace Culture, Hiring, Productivity, and Retention. Thanks for listening, everyone. For HR Works, I'm Chris Saplinski.